0: I'm Kevin Wallace, pastor of Redemption to the Nation's Church. Listen, I'm grateful that you have joined us today for this message that God has given me to speak to your heart and to your life. I believe it's going to bring you strength and hope. I want you to pay attention. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm going to come back and pray with you. Enjoy this message today. I want you to go to James chapter one. I continue the series this morning called Deal With It. Look at somebody and say, deal with it. Last week, we talked about dealing with procrastination, and while it was challenging, I pray that it motivated some of us to get busy doing the things that we know God has called us to do. Today, I want to go uh, in a totally different direction. I pray the day that the Word God gave me encourages and strengthens you, but I want to talk about dealing with doubt, dealing with doubts. Look at somebody, tell them, deal with doubt. I got news for you. If you don't deal with doubt, doubt will deal with you. And many of us in this room today love God with all of our heart, but if the truth be told, sometimes we struggle with seasons of doubt that come into our lives and we're faced with a moment to make a decision on what we're going to believe. My prayer is today that we expose this issue of doubt for what it is and that God strengthen us. I keep hearing this in prayer as I prayed this week. I want to strengthen the faith of my people. How many want God to strengthen your faith today? Throw a hand up if that's you. And just say, Lord, strengthen my faith today. Strengthen my faith today. For a few minutes, let's go to James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. I'm going to do something. I'm going to ask Chad to put this on the screen in the Amplified Classic Edition. It's a little different than the King James and New King James. But I appreciate Um, the the modifiers, and it'll help you understand this text in a little bit different light. So will you read this with me off of the screen? Let's read this together and get this in our heart. We're going to read three verses together. Only it must be in faith that he asks with no wavering, no hesitating, no doubting. For the one who wavers hesitates, doubts, it's like the billowing surge out at sea that is blown hither and thither and tossed. By. You know you're anointed if you say hither and thither. I, I, there is something on that right there. Praise God, I felt that thing when I said it. Verse seven, for truly let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks for from the Lord. Last verse, for being as he is, a man of two minds, stop. A man of two minds, or a woman of two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute. He is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. How many know that alone will talk to you? And so today I want to talk about dealing with doubt. And I want to pray today that God would speak a word into your life that would strengthen you in your faith as you walk with Jesus. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. How beautiful and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It is like the oil that runs down the beard. The beard of Aaron from the head of Aaron down to the skirts of his garments. For where you find unity, you have declared blessing, even life forevermore. I pray today that as we sit together in heavenly places, you will give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation with which to preach and teach the word of God. And that you will let them sit in the spirit of wisdom and revelation and go beyond hearing a man speak. But may God talk to his people today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, in advance for giving us a harvest off this seed, which is the word, be sown in this place in Jesus' name. And everyone who loves him said amen. amen. can be seated. When I was a young man, maybe 14, 15 years old, I remember being in Sunday school class. How many of you remember going to Sunday school class? I saw the saved people in the room. I remember going to Sunday school class And maybe I was 14, 15 years old, and I remember being in Sunday school class one Sunday, and someone asked my teacher, Stan Gunther, they said to him, what is faith? What is faith? And I remember him leaning over his lectern and pausing for a few moments, and he stood back up, and he looked at us, and he said something that is revolutionary to me at that time it was, because I wasn't quite sure what faith was. But he defined it in the simplest, most complete, understandable fashion that, that I could have uh, uh, understood. And he said these words. He said, faith is simply believing God. Faith is believing God. Everybody say that with me. Faith is believing God. I did not say it is believing in God. Because the demons believe In God. I said, faith is believing God. Faith is believing that God is who He said He is. Faith is believing that God will do what He said He would do. We have to make sure today that we move beyond the shallow mental ascent of acknowledging that there is a higher eternal being, and we need to make sure today, the Bible said examine yourself to make sure you are in faith. I want you to understand today that there are some things uh, that we have treated as if they are automatic, but they're not necessarily automatic. We, we think just because people come to church that they have faith. And I believe most people in this room today have faith. But I want you to understand that faith is not simply automatic because you come to church or were even raised in church. Faith is not automatic because because you have been taught the Bible. Faith is something that you and I have to actively, ongoingly possess regarding the personhood, the character, the resume of God. God is who he said he is. And God will do what he said he will do. If you believe that then you have faith. But the moment you go through religious motions and cease to believe in God, believe that God is who he said he is and you cease to believe he can do what he says he can do you may still be going through motions but you may not have faith. Faith is a powerful thing. When you think about Faith, faith is what we, the only thing we've ever given to God that makes a difference in our life. The only thing, we brought nothing to him. The only thing you have the ability to possess that will change your life as it relates to a relationship with God is your willingness to trust and believe him. If you have faith, and I want to help us today, I'm going to talk about doubt, but before I talk about doubt, I want to talk about the importance of faith because you don't have to have great faith. You can have great faith, but I'm thankful today that the faith the size of a mustard seed can still make massive differences in all of your lives. You don't have to have a gigantic faith. You don't have to have the greatest faith. You don't have to have super faith. All you got to do is decide, I am going to believe God is who he said he is, and God will do what he said he will do and if you just believe that even in your heart in the smallest way that seed of faith will produce mag- magnitude of, of, of change and transformation in your life that you can't believe it's, it'll blow your mind what seed size faith will do for you there is power in believing and trusting God come on tell your neighbor there is power in believing and trusting God In fact, the story of God, the Bible is the story of God working in humanity, and it's the story of how those who believe God shaped history. If you want a historic summary, like a catalog, all in one neat place in the Bible of the power of faith, flip over to Hebrews chapter 11 one day when you get time, and read what we call the Hall of Faith. Read what we call the Hall of Faith where you see men like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and women like Sarah and and then other men like Isaac and Jacob. You, You run through the whole 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews and it starts like this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. And then it goes like this. By faith, Abel offered a more uh, pleasing sacrifice to God. By faith, Noah built an ark to the saving of his family. By faith, Enoch was and he was not. For he walked with God and God took him. All of these things happen by faith. None of these people were born with superpower faith they were all placed in a crucible of decision making and they decided in the heat of the moment in the heat of the battle when their life was on the line when their future was up for grabs when they could have walked away from God when they could have disobeyed when they could have said no they all decided we're going to believe that God is who he said he is and that he will do what he said he would do and because they believe God we still really about them in the Bible because their faith created history. In fact, can I tell you that the people in Hebrews 11 who we call the Hall of Faith were some really jacked up people. They were jacked up people. Y'all, Samson was a whoremonger. Y'all don't like these words. I can tell. I offended some real sanctified people right there. But, but I want to tell you that when you read through the book of Hebrews 11, these are some people who made a mess. Abraham lied to God. Abraham went and got his own his own uh son through another marriage, and, and he didn't trust the word of the Lord. And yet the Bible said by faith, Abraham left the city and become become a father of many nations, looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. Listen, I don't want to present to you today that if you believe God, you're you're going to somehow make everything, every decision perfectly. I don't want to tell you if you believe God that you're not. Going to create a problem or a mess. What I want to tell you is if you believe God, after the storm is over, after the mess has been made, after you fall down, people with faith don't stay down, they get back up and continue to say, even though I failed him, he's never failed me. I'm gonna still believe God. So faith, faith is what activates the power of God in your life. Believing God is who he said he is. Believing God will do what he said he would do. But if faith is so powerful, it should be no surprise that faith being that potent. Read Hebrews 11 sometime. The Bible says that these people shaped history. Moses' mother put him in a river in a in, in a in a little basket with pitch on it Oh, I wish I had time to preach on that because the first time pitch was used, it was used by a man man named Noah to build a boat for the saving of his house. He built the boat and put pitch in the hull of the boat and the boat floated. And then a few hundred years later, Moses is now born and God is getting ready to raise up a deliverer. And God said, the boat worked the first time. Let me put a boat in the heart of that mama. She built that baby a boat, pushed him out on the water and he wound up living in Pharaoh's house. By faith, Samson. We always preach about these people, but then I got down to the end of Hebrews 11, and it said, by faith, they subdued enemies. By faith, by faith, listen, they put fires out. You don't hear what I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now, you don't have a problem faith can't straighten out. You don't have a situation that believing God can't turn around. The problem is we wanna trust him when he works it out like we thought he should work it out. That's not real faith. Real faith is when it don't happen like you thought it was supposed to. And instead of throwing your hands up and saying, this ain't real, you throw your hands up and say, I refuse to denounce you. I refuse to curse you. Blessed I came in, oh, I feel like preaching here. Blessed I came out, blessed, naked I came in, naked I came out, blessed be the name of the Lord. You got to trust God. You got to trust God. Faith is potent. If it is potent, even in seed form, no wonder it is challenged, attacked, and assaulted. Satan and the forces of darkness will do everything in their scope of ability to affect how you trust God. One of the strategies the enemy uses is what I call the invitation to doubt. Look at somebody tell them the invitation to doubt. I say invitation to doubt because Satan cannot make you doubt God. Boy, that's some good teaching right there, Bishop. Satan, can he does not have the authority to bend and break your will. If God cannot in his sovereign power make you believe, Satan in his diminished authority cannot make you doubt. Sometimes we give more authority to the enemy than he really has. And, we, and we, think, we think because an attack of doubt comes that you don't believe. That's why I call it the invitation to doubt. Yeah. So you got a situation going on in your life and you know God is who he said he is. And you know God will do what he said he would do. But the enemy will send you an RSVP. And it will sound like this. In spite of the fact that God has never failed you, in spite of the fact that God has always been there for you, we would like to request your presence at a banquet of doubt. And we want you to entertain lives that make you second-guess the God who has been with you from the beginning and has promised to go with you till the end. And here's what we do. We start looking at what's going on in our life, and we start thinking, you know, I might need to take him up on that invitation. Maybe God is not who he said he is maybe God is not going to do what his word says he would do let me do I've been waiting to say this all morning long I thought I'd wait till it was real hot and the organ was flying but I'm gonna say it right now if God fails you let me walk around here for a minute let me get out of my if God fails you you will be the first one he ever failed let me tell you one more thing if God lies to you you will be the first one he ever lied to if God God lets the enemy win over you child of God you will be the first one in the history of the kingdom of God that will ever suffer ultimate defeat don't you ever let yourself get so selfish that you think you are so special that God would divorce himself from his promises and make negative history in your life if he is who he said he is oh where is my help in this house if he'll do what he said he'll do then he's not going to start with you in terms of breaking his promises for I heard the word of the Lord say all of the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God if it hadn't happened yet it's still going to happen God will not start it and not finish it he will surely bring it to pass somebody praise him if you believe what I'm saying hallelujah To say it another way, there is a difference between a thought of doubt and engaging doubt. We all have thoughts, invitations that come to our mind that invite us into a moment where we begin to question and doubt God. There is a difference between the invitation and showing up for the party. Somebody in this room today is actually being lied to by the enemy. The enemy sent you an invitation to doubt God and you think, my faith ain't very strong. I got these thoughts and questions coming to me and I don't feel like my faith is strong. And the enemy is beating you down Over the invitation you got in the mailbox but I want to tell you today you don't have to take the invitation in fact somebody needs to understand that you can send it back to the one that sent it to you and you can tell that lying devil "Uh uh-huh I got the invitation but you need to talk to my hand anybody in here feel like the enemy has come too late Uh uh-huh I need to preach because I feel my help coming on me right here has anybody in this place ever come to a realization God has revealed too much faithfulness he has shown too much faithfulness he has fulfilled too many promises he has kept too many ends of the bargain for you to start second guessing him now Uh uh-huh if you would have got me a few weeks ago maybe you could have talked me into accepting your invitation devil of doubt but I woke up this morning and I've never been more convinced that God is who he said he is and God will do what he God will do what he said he will do well why don't you have it all yet I can't understand Stand yet. I can't always make sense of the process, but I know one thing. He's never been late, he's always on Tundra Kovahasha. Somebody give God praise! Woo! I knew he was here somewhere. Watch this. The Greek word for doubt means standing in the middle of two roads. There are actually two words used for doubt in your Bible. Greek word, distratso, the other one is "diacrino. If you see the di, the di in distratso is where we get this idea of duplicity from, two. Multiple, And when we say a person has doubt, it literally means that they have been presented with two roads and they're standing in the middle of two roads and don't know which one to choose. That's why the Amplified Version says, a man living in the state of two minds is unstable in all his ways. Why two minds? Because let me show you why he said two minds. You can only, regarding Jesus, there is no neutrality. Rewind. I said regarding the person, the work, the finished work of Jesus Christ, there is no neutrality. You either believe or you don't believe. So one frame of mind is called believing. The other frame of mind is called unbelief. Doubt is not unbelief. I'm getting ready to teach something right here. You got to catch this. Because some people think because they have doubts that they don't believe hard enough. And the fact that you fight back against the invitation to doubt is evidence that you actually have faith. The kind of faith that the devil is trying to tell you you don't have. Yeah. Let me say it like this, you don't even know you have faith until something tells you you don't have faith. And when a voice tells you you don't have faith, the voice of faith rises up and says, I bind that voice, I will believe God. That is faith. Two minds. Belief, I know who God is. God is who he said he is, and he'll do what he said he'd do. Unbelief. This is a person who has no saving faith. When presented with the gospel, they look at the gospel, and they de- decide and declare, I don't believe that. That's unbelief. Doubt and unbelief are not the same thing. Unbelief means you don't believe God is who he said he is, and you don't believe he'll do what he said he would. This is where sinners live, in a state of unbelief. The God of this world has blinded their mind. The Bible said they do not believe the gospel. So there are people who live in the mind of unbelief. There are people, come on, some of them are in this house today, who live in the mind of belief. I believe God is who he said he is, and I believe, where are those people at in here? I know some of y'all getting tired on me, but I'm getting ready to come out there and holler at somebody, because I feel like there's some people in this room today who live over here in the mind of believing God. I believe he is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I believe he is Jehovah Nisi, the banner over me of victory in the heat of the Battle. I believe he is Jehovah Rafa, the Lord, my healer. I believe he is Jehovah canoe my righteousness. I believe he is Jehovah Kwana, a jealous God. I believe he is Jehovah Jesus, the Messiah. I believe. Slap somebody. Oh, we got to be careful because I feel like something might break out in this house. Slap your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you sat down by a believer. You came too late to tell me it can't happen. You sat in the Boshiah. You sat down by a believer. I will not run over to that camp. I will believe. I shall see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Does anybody believe God? slap three people tell them I believe God two minds believing unbelieving but in between believing and unbelieving is this place where two roads meet and the double minded man doesn't want to live in this world of believing. And he can't quite fit into this world. He can't quite fit into this world of unbelieving. So he lives in between both worlds. That is doubt. Doubt is when you got enough evidence in your history to believe God is who he said he is, and you believe God will do what he said he'd do, but you are also aware of the odds stacked against you, and so you see what's happening around you, Apostle Peter. Matthew 14, if you want to know where I'm going, he says to Jesus, if it be you, bid me to come to you, I'll get down out of this boat. And I know there's no concrete, no ground, ain't no pebbles, ain't no road, but I'll walk on this water. If that's you, all you gotta do is say, come. And Peter, Peter's sitting there talking about doing crazy stuff that defies physics, and Jesus is crazy enough to say, for real? Come on. And Peter's sitting there in a boat with a bunch of boat talkers and decides because of the word of the Lord, I'm going to be a water walker. Some of you going to have to decide if you're going to live the rest of your life sitting in the boat with the boat talkers or if you're going to get a word from the Lord and come up out of your boat and be a water walker slap somebody near you and tell your neighbor neighbor I'm gonna decide to walk on the word of the Lord I'm gonna decide that the boat cannot confine me the boat will not define me the lid of religion will not push me down if he ever says come I'm getting up out of this boat I'm leaving all my friends I gotta do whatever I gotta do I'm gonna follow the Lord He comes down out the boat and he starts walking on water. Now, you know what? There's some real religious people that have defined this text and said things like this. Well, they were in the shallow end. Let me help you understand what the Bible says. The Bible said they were out in the middle. I feel like preaching right here. They were out in the middle of the lake. I'm telling you right now, God will wait for you to get out in the middle of it. Uh He wants to take away everything you could stand on except his word. He wants to remove all of the other things propping you up so that when you get out of the boat, the only way you survive is to keep your eyes on him and to keep your faith in his word. So I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now. Slap your neighbor and tell your neighbor, 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 I'm out here in the deep. I'm out here in the middle of it. Got all these kids, got 72 kids in the middle of my 40s. I need a miracle. I'm out here in the middle of it. How are you surviving? I've been hearing that for the last three months. How are you and Devin making it? What do y'all doing? Oh my God, you must be losing your mind. I'm not losing my mind. I got a word from the Lord. And when you got a word from the Lord, you can get yourself out of your boat and start walking on things that everybody Else used to sink in. Slap somebody, tell them I got a word. (laughs) You can look at me like you want to go cook hot dogs if you want to. I'm feeling the glory of God in my soul. God is about to break somebody out of a boat. You're about to break loose and run for Jesus. Slap somebody, say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Peter, God over here in this world of believing God. And when you live in that world of believing God, you can get down out the boat. Somebody said, what was he walking on? The Word. The Word. Can I tell you the Word will hold you up when everything else will cause you to sink? The word will, touch your neighbor, tell your neighbor, the word will hold you up. The word, he walked on the word and lived over here in believing God until he took his eyes off of the one who called him and he got his eyes on the waves around him. The invitation to doubt came when he lost focus of the one who called him. And when he was over here believing God, he's walking on water and then he gets out of focus, which is where we all start losing our way. When we stop looking to Jesus, and we start looking at the waves and the wind and the enemy sends us an invitation you want to start doubting look at the waves you ready to start doubting God I feel the Holy Ghost right now look at the wind, feel the wind, see the rain you get ready to Saint Peter you're going to die, you're out here in the middle of the water you want to doubt God and the Bible says this I get ready to bless myself in here He began to sink. He did not finish seeking. I'm going on vacation after church, but before I go on vacation, I am getting ready, my head is on fire right now. Somebody is about to get set free from a spirit of confusion and doubt. I came to tell somebody, you might began, you might have begun to sink, but you won't finish sinking. Touch somebody and tell your neighbor, say, hey, neighbor, say, I began to sink but I didn't finish sinking I may have started to sink but my last chapter will not me be will not be me underwater bubbles flying and the search party looking for me oh no he that keepeth Kevin will neither sleep and he will not slumber heard the word of the Lord say he rescued me from a pit I was going under but I didn't go under I started sinking but I didn't finish sinking in fact somebody needs to praise God that you canceled your sinking plans Uh the devil said look he's going under look he's going down but the Bible said before his head went underwater Jesus came out to Peter yes I want to praise God for the day I was going under the day I was losing my mind but somebody kept me from losing it all anybody in here knows what it feels like He came to rescue somebody who feels like you're sinking. Why? Why? He came and he got Peter. And we don't know the details, but this is what it said. They went back to the boat. You know what them religious people in the boat were doing when he was sinking? I told you, Peter, I told you not to do this. I told you. But Jesus walked up to a sinking man, picked him up out of the water. I believe they walked back on the water that it started sinking in. And can't you see all them religious people? There are people that want you to sink. But you're sink proof. And he comes back to Jesus. Jesus comes to him and he takes him back to the boat. And he looks at Peter. What does he say? Matthew chapter 14. What does he say? Peter, why did you doubt? Read your Bible. Why did you take the invitation? The enemy showed you the waves and you stopped believing the word because you saw the waves. What waves are billowing in your life right now that's causing you to stop believing the word? And he takes Peter back and says, why did you doubt? Why did you accept the invitation? Why did you stand in the place where two roads meet? Let me give you three things real quick to deal with doubt. I'm going to get out your weave, your hair, your extensions, your toupee. I'm going to leave you alone. Everybody like, hair, my, my God, how did he know that? It's prophetic. I'm kidding. Watch this. Some of y'all. Some of y'all smile. Okay, watch. How do you deal with doubt? The first thing I want to tell you is if you want to know how to deal with doubt, you got to worship. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 28. After Jesus resurrected, he called his disciples to go to Galilee. He said, meet me in a mountain in Galilee. When he arose from the dead, they got word he was alive, and they went to the mountain in Galilee where he told them to meet him. When, this is all in Matthew 28. Go read it. When they got to Galilee, here's what the text says. And they saw Jesus. And some worshiped, and some doubted. Some worshiped, some doubted, but no one did both. I'm gonna tell you this. There have been times, invitations of doubt were racing through my mind. And my response was, I love you, Lord. I don't even feel you, but I believe you are who you said you are. I believe you'll do what you said you will do. I I look at faces all over this congregation I've been walking with a lot of people in this room for a long time and almost everybody I'm looking at and thinking about has a chapter in their life where they had to decide I don't understand it I can't make sense of it I don't know why he does it this way but I refuse to turn my back and lose my faith I am gonna keep on believing God and I'm gonna tell you right now the way you get better and you don't get bitter is to keep a tear in your eye and a hand in the air and a hallelujah on the end of your lips and when the devil says see what's what your God up to now see look at all the mess you've been through see all your financial problems all your children problems all your marriage problems if God was real and prayer really worked why are you going through what you're going through I don't have to answer the devil when the liar starts talking all i got to do is to to put the invitation back in the mail and tell the devil you showed up too late I refuse to I refuse to sit here and get bitter I believe I'm Bokandi I'm gonna lift my hands even when it don't make any sense and I will bless the God who brought me out of darkness into his marvelous life this is not Somebody said, this is blind faith. You just, you just, no, it's surrender. It's surrender. I am surrendering that the thing I thought he should do may not be what he wanted to do. And even when he doesn't do what I thought he should do, I'm going to trust that whatever he does, it's gonna work out for the good. Worship. Some doubted. Some stood in the place where two roads meet. Some doubted, but some worshiped. Let me just get this out here. We get ready to go in a minute. But let me just say this. You will not whine and worship at the same time. You you will not stay in doubt and keep worshiping at the same time. Worship will pull you out of the two place where two roads meet and worship and sacrifice and lay it all on the altar will transform your mind. <laughs> I hope you understand that when we tell people to, and ask people to worship, when we say, lift your hands, somebody say hallelujah seven times. Uh, oh, he's just trying to cheerlead us. Oh, he's trying to make us do something. I'm not trying to make you do anything. You don't have to do anything. You didn't have to get up this morning, but he loved you enough to wake yourself up and get you out of the bed and you rolled over and put on your clothes and you fixed your hair and I hope you brushed your teeth. And when you got to church, you got here by the mercy of God. The the simplest thing you ought to be able to do is throw up your hands open up your mouth and stop acting like it's a chore to say hallelujah I'm telling you right now worship will shift the atmosphere worship will change your situation worship will turn your mess into a message somebody shout yes if you want to stop doubting I dare you the next time doubts, invitations to doubt start coming to your mind, I dare you to crank up some worship music, walk through your house and start waving your hands like this. Yeah. Hallelujah! hallelujah when you walk in the kitchen and they look at you funny what in the world is wrong with you oh ain't nothing wrong with me i'm just telling the devil that god is still worthy i'm just telling my mind that god is still worthy something's telling me to stop believing but something's telling me he is who he said he is and he will do what he said he'll do anybody believe god this morning number two I gotta go. Number two, recall. Number one is worship. If you wanna deal with doubt, number one, worship. Number two, recall. Touch three people, tell them recall, recall, recall. What do you mean, Pastor? For that, you gotta go to Mark chapter six. Mark chapter six, Jesus and his disciples are walking out in the wilderness, and everybody comes to Jesus because they know he has power. And authority. So the whole crowd in the city come running up to Jesus. And they stayed with him while he did all this ministry. And then it got eating time. And there are five thousand families. Not men, families. And they say, Where are we gonna feed all these people? These disciples. Look at the disciples panicking. Panicking. Where are we gonna feed all? They've already accepted the invitation to doubt. What are we gonna do with all these people that are hungry, Lord? Where are we going to send them? Send them. You're out in the middle of the wilderness. What are we going to do? Jesus says, what do you have? God will never fix what's wrong with what you don't have. But he will always fix what you you need with what you do have. He said, what do you have? I said, five loaves, two fish, five and two, seven, number of completion. I don't need nothing else. Touch somebody, tell them you got everything you need. Where are we going to send them? Tell me what you got, five loaves, two fish. Jesus does something crazy. All these hungry people and nervous disciples. He takes the food, lifts it up to the Father, and begins to thank God for what he has. He blessed it, and then he broke it. But before he broke it, he put it in their hands because he wanted them to feel the miracle of multiplication. So they didn't run to Jesus. They ran to his disciples. Oh, I'm getting ready to say something right here. Some of you all always want somebody with more authority. Don't worry about who you don't meet. Make sure you talk to the person God sent to your life because they have what you need. I ain't got time for that. I'm going to keep going though. Watch this. The Bible said he, they broke the bread and we're handing it out. Next scripture. I'm through with this. Next scripture. In the same chapter, Mark chapter 6. The Bible says they got in the boat and got out in the middle of the water, and a storm came. Jesus was up in the mountain praying, and he saw them, which is a miracle in itself. And he comes walking to them on the water, and they all panic and go crazy. Ah, it's a ghost. That was my best scream. Ah, it's a ghost. Jesus comes walking up. Watch this. Jesus comes walking up, gets in the boat. Waves die down, wind stops blowing. Next verse. And they did not consider the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. Now why would he say that? Why does he get in the boat, the wind and the waves stop blowing? And then it says, for they did not consider the miracle that just happened before that. The miracle of the loaves and fishes. Why would he say that? Because they missed the moment when he gave them the miracle of the loaves and fishes being multiplied. He was attempting to shape their thinking to have confidence that he would take care of them in their future. He wanted them to look back on his faithfulness and recall. That he took five loaves and two fish and he fed 5,000 families. And now they're in a storm and they have forgotten to recall the faithfulness of God. Someone in, shift when the jewels, I'm done. Someone in this room is in a storm of doubt because you have forgotten to recall what he did for you last month. What he did for you last week. You're nervous over him paying your bills. And he gave you his only son. You're nervous about him opening up a job. And he owns the cattle. He's already blessed you before. And the problem is we get into a storm and waves start happening. And we fail to recall what he did just a few weeks ago when he took five loaves and two fish and he put it in your hands. You actually got to participate in the miracle, but you have forgotten. Here's what I want to tell you. If he did it before, he will do it again. You say, Pastor, that sounds presumptuous to assume that if he did it before, he will do it again. It's not presumptuous, he actually did it to shape your confidence in him. He wants you to draw the conclusion that if he multiplied the five loaves and the two fish, he can keep you safe in the storm. So what faithfulness of God has he demonstrated in your past that you are ignoring and walking on top of while you wander around in this cycle of doubt you're in. What have you forgotten that you need to recall? Stand with me. If you want to learn how to deal with doubt, don't accept the invitation. That was point number three. Reject all invitations the enemy sends to your address. You get one in your dress, in your mailbox of your heart, and the enemy starts showing you all the waves and invites you into a moment to take a double take and to question God. Don't accept the invitation. Throw your hands up and just begin to say, Father, I trust you and I know who you are, who you said you are. I believe you'll do what you said you would do. I don't even know how you're going to do this and work it out I don't even know what the end's going to look like but I don't have to know the end to want to know that I trust want you to know that I trust you and I love you some of y'all are going to have to find some tears again because life will put you through seasons that makes you bitter and if you're not careful you might even get bitter at God that it didn't come through that somebody let you down that God didn't let it pan out like you thought it would pan out I'm telling you if you will worship and recall his faithfulness Somebody just begin to send up worship right now. We're getting ready to go, but I need some people. I believe the next 60 seconds, somebody's going to get out of the road, get out of the place where two roads meet, and somebody's going to make up your mind in the next few moments right here in this service before you walk out and have your Memorial Day weekend. Somebody's going to throw your hands up right now and say, I'm deciding to reject the invitation to doubt God, and I'm deciding that I'm going to worship him in the middle of whatever you're going through right now. And I want you to take this moment to throw your hands up and begin to worship God in the beauty of holiness without fear, without without wrath. If you know He is who He said He is and if you come on, open up your mouth and begin to release worship. Begin to release worship. Begin to release praises. Don't just think about it. If you love Him, begin to tell Him. If you're thankful, begin to tell Him. If you're grateful, begin to tell Him. If you trust Him, begin to tell Him. Say it out of your mouth so that every demon power that has been harassing you understands that you've come too far to turn back now come on come on I want you to lift your voice all over this room right now father we praise you you are who you say you are you do what you say you'll do what you started you will finish what you began you will bring it to completion I repent for accepting the invitation today I reject the invitation this I recall to my mind therefore I have hope it is because of the mercy of the Lord that we are not consumed great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness I want to sing Great is Thy Faithfulness I don't even know a key Put me in a key, Julian Put it in a key, Julian I want to hear Right there Great is Thy Faithfulness Oh God, my Father There is no shadow Of turning
1: with Thee All, all I have needed Uh, That hand has provided Uh, Great is thy
0: faithfulness Lord, unto thee Summer and winter Bring time and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Give him the microphone. He knows the words.
1: Join with all Sing. nature in the manifold with them. To thy great faithfulness. To grace, faithfulness, Mercy and love. Everybody save the chorals. Throw your hands up. Come on. Great. Okay, oh.
0: If you needed this message, throw your hands up right now. Father, right now while their hands are in the air, send a strengthening of their faith. Send them a grace to believe and to have a made-up mind. Remove the double-mindedness and let the people of God live in victory today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. Shake hands with 73 people. Hug somebody's neck and give God one more praise
1: as you leave the house this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah.
0: I feel you, Lord. I believe this message today is speaking life and hope to you in your journey. We wouldn't be bringing it to you today had it not been for faithful partners around this nation who are helping us to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you want to leave us a prayer request, I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv. Let us know how our team can pray for you. You'll also find a place there where you can learn more about partnership, how you and your family can help us continue to spread this good news of Jesus around this nation and around this world. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next week, God bless you. We're praying over you and your family today.